my cup. Hey everyone, welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I'm your host, Judy Gold, and I want to wish everyone a happy, healthy New Year as I did last week. This, this, These days in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur were supposed to be really like reflective about you know, uh, things we want to change, the mistakes we've made. It's, it's a very, um, special sort of time period for a lot of Jews. So, uh, I'm going to be nice, but not really because (laughs) come on, it's not my personality, but anyway, so I want to wish everyone a happy, healthy new year. And I want to say this week's guest, you're going to freak out. Like you would never imagine I would have D. Schneider, the lead singer songwriter of Twisted Sister on my podcast. But he is, we had the best, the best time uh, talking and conversing. And he wrote this excellent book called Frats. I mean, it's not autobiographical, but it does take some, uh, it takes place, you know, in the 70s. But it, it's such a great book. He's so fucking talented, but he does borrow from his own life. He he also wrote a memoir years ago. But I mean, I loved chatting with D. Schneider of Twisted Sister. Okay? I mean, heavy metal. Who knew? Who knew that D and I would totally bond and we totally bond. So th- this is part one. This week is part one of my interview with him and it was a blast and I did it over the summer. Uh, we recorded it over the summer and I was so like, could, could not wait to air it. And you know, you're going to fucking love it. You're going to fucking love it. Also, I just want to say to everyone, since it's the beginning of the podcast, I want to just give you some of my dates that I will be repeating at the end of the podcast. But I know that none of you will be listening at the end. I mean, a, a, a small amount. But I just want to tell you that uh, on Thursday, this Thursday, the 21st of September, I am going to be in Baltimore at the Enoch Pratt Free Library interviewing Leslie Jones for her new, her new book, Leslie Fucking Jones, which is a memoir and is fucking fantastic. So I'm interviewing her on Thursday uh, live. And then I'm at the Arlington Draft House in Arlington, Virginia on the 22nd and 23rd of September. And then it is Yom Kippur. And unfortunately, Henry's birthday falls in Yom Kippur. And then I am flying to Gothenburg, Sweden, to uh, be in a Jewish book festival, the Gothenburg Book Fair. Okay? So I'm going to be in Sweden from the 27th through the 30th, coming back on October 1st, and then I'll be back in the United States of America. I like to live in America. Okay, by me in America. For a small fee in America. Something. America. Anyway, so. Yeah. And then let's see where else I am. Oh, I will be in uh, back in P-Town the week of October 9th for Women's Week. Women's Week. I'm there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, 9, 10, October 9, 10, 11. I'm off on Thursday. I'm there Friday and Saturday, the 13th and 14th at 7.30 p.m. It's going to be a blast. And when I say a blast, I mean a blast. And then, yeah, I've got the Sunshine Cathedral in Fort Lauderdale on October 21st. And then, just added, Soul Joe's inside uh, Sunnybrook in Potsdam, Pennsylvania on October 28th. And podcast guest Liz Glazer will be uh, opening for me. And let me tell you something. She's fucking hilarious. Okay. Then I will be at the Marcus JCC of Atlanta, November 11th. Okay. So I got a lot going on. I got a lot going on. Thank God, because I'm getting my knee replaced on November 20th. So I need to make the money before I'm uh, invalid. 
But anyway, that's it. I I don't know, you know, I don't know what to say. I I do miss watching the U.S. Open. I'm having a little depression. Not depression, but, you know, like you have the seasonal affective disorder. I have the sports affective disorder, like the tennis affective disorder. But I was watching the Davis Cup. But, you know, it's weird on the Davis Cup when they bounce the ball and the ball hits the ground. It makes a noise. Like it's a weird surface. So it's annoying me. So I can't, I got to watch it with the volume down. But I noticed uh, Ben and Elisa are both watching football. So that uh, that's the end of me because I'm um, be a football wife now. A widow, football widow. Football wife, what the fuck? Anyway, what else do I have to tell you? I don't know. It's been some, it's been a week. You know, I came back from P-Town. That is not easy. I don't like re-entry. And now I'm in P- and now I'm in New York and it's, you know, I was so nervous about coming back, you know, and I'm here and it's just the way it always was. So I got to see Henry and Ben. We had a nice Rosh Hashanah. Um, we had it at Elisa's house um, and my niece Sarah came and Ben's girlfriend, Samantha, and Samantha's twin sister, fraternal um, Madison and Samantha's uh, mother, Lisa, came and we just had so much fun. And then we had uh, the second night with our neighbors, the Coens. I'm just, I just have to keep Jew belling because it's so Rosh Hashanah. Um, But yeah, so here we are. It's a very Jewy season right now, the the autumn. Very Jewy, a lot of holidays. So that's that. And I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, But I just, I know you're going to love this episode. It's so fucking great. It's so, and part two is fucking great too. And I love this guy. So listen, sit back, relax, and enjoy part one of my interview with the one and only D. Snyder. Okay, listen, today's guest, like when I, I got a text from someone saying that this person was interested in being on my podcast, which freaks me the fuck out. And then you know how I do my research. You know, I knew our guest one way um, as a child who grew up in the 70s, but reading about his life, it is layered and fascinating and unexpected, and I am so excited. He has a new novel out, which is fantastic. You know, I'm a mother of sons. My sons need to read this. It's called Frats. D. Snyder. Okay. Also, a biography. I read your biography. I can't even. Ladies and gentlemen, D. Snyder's here. Woo! D. I can't even thank. I. I can't. I. I could read about you all day long. Like I could. I was up all night. I was just like, oh my god, this man's life. And we stand for so many of the same things. I was like, he's like my soul brother. Oh, if you stand with where I stand, we are. Brother and sister, for sure. Well, I don't know if you know, I wrote this book. Yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians. I I know you read that. And And it's all about free speech and uh, uh, cancel culture and censorship and bullshit. And it's so mirrors. I mean, I just watched your speech at the Senate hearing. It was bone chilling. It was bone chilling watching those senators, these congresspeople, whatever, the, 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 the way they Idiots. looked at you with such disdain, and yet your life is exactly what they would want for their children. <laughs> like, if they had a son like you, they would win the fucking lottery. You're too kind, but that, yeah, they're, they were very judgmental. Interestingly enough, Judy, I went back like 35 years later with Grammys on the Hill to pay, to work for better royalty rates for the artists because whatever, we don't get into right. that. What a difference a few decades makes. The senators were running out of their offices, McCarthy, Pelosi, oh, of to meet Dee Snyder right. and shake my hand. I mean, the last time I had marks my body from the being stuck with 10 foot poles, right. this time everybody wanted to, knew who I was, didn't want that to happen again. They were very nice to me. Everybody was very of nice. Of course. If you're young and listening to this, which is pretty much an oxymoron, um, D. Snyder was the lead singer for Twisted Sister. 
And, you know, you think all your gender bendering and all your stuff you're dealing with uh, now is new to the public. It's not. It's an old fight. And D was one of the first. But can we just start at the beginning of your life? Like, fascinating. So your father, I, I'm, I have a Jew bell, D. So I got I to gotta say, even though your father converted or left Judaism... In my mind, he's still a Jew. And your face is Jew face. So, like... He... My father is... My, my father is so... Um, it's not that he's anti-Jewish. He just didn't stop. He... At the, at he got bar mitzvah. They said, today you were a man. He said, I quit. Right. And um, he, he enlisted in the army. He was a baseball player yeah. and a cop. Three things, and the only Jewish thing that I've, I've seen him ever do, and married a, a Roman Catholic right. girl. Um, only Jewish thing I ever saw him do is he, why he enlisted? Because he didn't have a coat for the winter, and he knew his draft number was coming up in the spring. So why waste money on a coat? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's that, that gets a bell. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I was like, so you didn't want to, you enlisted. Put yourself in harm's way. For a free coat. wasting money on a coat. I love that. You know, I, I mean, so that was, the, but other than that, he very, very, like, he gets very upset when you say, well, dad, you are Jewish. Show me Jewland on the map. Oh, yeah, I read Show that. Me, Show me Jewland. I go, well, Israel, there are Christians and there are Muslims. He gets hostile. I don't, there's uh, got to be something that happened. I don't, he said that Judaism is a belief, not a nationality, but my yeah. DNA begs to differ, my DNA test. Well, I went and did the DNA test. You did not, DNA you did test. not. So, yeah, yeah, and what I found out is his mother was not Jewish. His mother was a bastard child from Transylvania, of all places, and uh, raised by her grandparents. Her mother had the baby and then took off to find the guy that she was with. But she's, he, we have, I have one quarter tribe in me, the other three quarters, oh, which right. means you know, my, dad only, my dad was only uh, a half, not, a, not, oh. a, not full blood. Not full blood. She, my grandmother, she used, to just, she used to feed him on the days you're supposed to fast right. and drive him to temple on the side streets. So he wouldn't have to walk. Right. She was she she was just playing along with her husband right. for some reason. But anyway, the blood. As my father would like to say, Hitler would still put you in the gas right. chamber. So I know. I love that. Mind. That's the litmus test. You know what Hitler yes. would do. Um, so you grew up. Just I just all right. You were born in Astoria. You then went to Freeport and then Baldwin, Long Island. You graduated from Baldwin High School. You ha are the eldest of six children. Yeah. Which I would think, you know, with a father, your father was a very complex or is a very complicated man on many levels. And I would assume being the firstborn male, you were put in a shitty position. Well, at first I was in a glorious position. I was Simba. I was, you know, the circle right. of the first child and the first for all of this, his siblings and all of my mom's Oh, siblings. my God. So that weird moment in time where the first baby is brought into the world and everybody, you know, I was held up right. and adored for eight months. And, <laughs> and then everybody started having babies like it was a competition. Right. And I was quickly like put to the side and like, okay, take care of yourself, but I'm one, right. you know? And, uh, and, um, that I know that that early burst of attention was something I was starved for, starved for the rest of my life, right. just have more attention, which I wasn't getting. Right. So had my career choice, but yeah. So for a brief moment and he still, you know, my dad wanted to be a baseball player, but he, you know, his father made him work in the store and all that stuff. So he was playing catch with me all the time. And, he used to call me Duke, Duke Snyder. And, you know, and, and, and I had some athletic abilities. He was so proud. And then at 13, I quit Little League and joined a rock band. He didn't talk to me for a year. Wow. And speak to me for a year. It was like LD to pass the salt, please. Oh, you my know, that God. That <laughs> and yeah. So, I mean, he was so, because I was until, and it was, I'd say it was more than a year. It was probably a few years because my next two brothers weren't very athletic. It wasn't until my fourth brother came along. And he was sports oriented that my father finally gave me a break because he had someone, he had to someone focus else to focus on attention on. But up to then, I was just such a disappointment. Well, you you were raised Episcopalian. Your mother was a Roman Catholic. They they um, 
treated her like shit. And she walked into an Episcopalian church and they embraced her and you were all raised Episcopalian. Is that true? Yeah. So my mom was Roman Catholic, you know, a church lady, church girl, every Sunday going, I mean, for her entire life, meets my father, falls in love and finds out that she's, she's out. You can't marry a Jew and nobody would marry them. I mean, in the fifties, this is 53. It's, it's interracial at that point. You know, they got married by a, a judge. The only people who were there was their immediate family. Right. Nobody else showed up. There was no celebration. Right. And uh, and my mother had now my mother has me like a year later, and she doesn't know what to do. She can't go. She's not allowed to go to Catholic church anymore. Right. And she, I'm born now. What do you do? You're supposed to get baptized. Right. And one day she's, she just sees an, an, an open door on a Protestant church. It was Episcopalian. Yeah, she just walks in, and they said, "Sure, sit down." And uh, and that was it. And then she never left. You know, the, the Protestant faith. And my father just stayed home on Sundays, and he didn't care about religion at all, right. so let my mom do her thing. I like the Episcopalian Church. I think they're open, and you know, it's. I think it's a great denomination of Christianity, don't you? Well, Protestants as opposed to Catholics. Right. So there's Protestants. Uh, you know, you're uh, you Catholics are fear of God. The Protestants are the love of God. Right. Hence the empty Protestant churches. In the Catholic Church, you go to hell if you don't go to church on Sunday. Uh, in the Protestant Church, come if you want to, come back. And they're empty, empty. Right. You know, so, um, and I sang in the church choir yeah. until I was 19. That is, I you love know? that. You, so you, you, all right, I don't think people know this about you. You're, you're God-given talent. Well, I don't know if it's God-given. Who the fuck knows? But I don't know if there's a God. But um, a phrase. I'm, with, I'm with you. Um, you were all right. So you ch- you sang in church squat ch- church choir. Uh, you were in all state chorus. You were in all Eastern Seaboard choir, which is yeah. fucking amazing. And can you tell the story about your choir teacher and how they realized how talented you were, Mrs. C, whatever the hell her name is? Well, well, Miss Cirilla, Miss yeah. Miss Cirilla was my elementary school choir teacher, right? And that was like a, a turning point for me, being, you know, starved for attention that I was not getting. In fifth grade or sixth grade, I think it was fifth grade, um, I auditioned for a solo in the Glee Club. And in elementary school, people, you remember, everybody sings. Right. We all get, Yeah. That was, I think Glee Club was the earliest days of, like, everybody gets a trophy. Right. I mean, you know, it was like, it didn't matter if you could sing or not. Everybody just up there and, ah, it's all great. And they're testing for a solo, and I start singing, and she's, Stops playing the piano and she and as she she turns to her accompanist actually and she says, This boy sings like a bird. And I was like, What? And and and, she, and I got the solo, and that was the first time I had I said, Wait, I can sing. Wait, so okay, that was before cool. that, you had no idea of your talent. You were not aware of your talent. No, because everybody's singing. We all get a trophy. Right, but you, you know, everybody's singing. I sing in church and singing, right. but I didn't know that I my voice was special or great. You know, and the ovation I got at the end of that first solo in fifth grade was that was why I said I need to do this. right. You said, which is so so similar to getting the first laugh, that you walked out to do your solo, but you were late. You didn't realize you were yeah, late, yeah. and the audience starts going nuts. And you—that's why I got the ovation. Yeah. I didn't even open my mouth right. yet. I, looked, I I missed my cue when I was hanging out backstage waiting. And the, and the choir is vamping. They're just going around right. and around and around. Finally, after three minutes, I walk out and the place goes nuts. I'm going, this, this <laughs> is what it's all about. Right. I love so, that. Hey, everyone. You know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality. And they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. 
They have Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto. I just did Chef's Choice. 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required. Okay? And factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to factormeals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero. Okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% off. That's code JudyGold50 at factormeals.com slash JudyGold50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. All right. There's one thing that you said, which I love. Lack of popularity equals creative development and ambition. And I could not agree with that statement more. I, you know, I was an outcast, as were you, but you were such an individual. The story about that military coat, it it resonated with me so much because I remember, I know I was six years old and I I was in a yo-yo contest and my yo-yo string broke and my mother sewed it back together. And I'm like, I'm never going to win. I'm never going to win because my, you know, my yo-yo is all fucked up. And, and she sewed it? But I don't, yeah, she, she was very handy. Somehow put it back together. And, um, I won. I won with my broken yo-yo, but, in, you know, and so it just reminded me that, you know, you wanted this fucking coat that everyone had and you, for Christmas, you wanted this, everyone had this coat and you're, your parents bought you a military coat instead, right? With, yeah, the wrong coat. Right, with the oh, yellow buttons. Years. It's years until I wore that coat to school and suddenly everybody was like looking, everybody was paying atten- the attention factor. Right. Everybody's turning going, hey, cool coat. And I'm like, all of a sudden I was separated from the pack. Right. And, and that was in like fifth grade. And I, I loved it. By the way, two things I want to say. One, people who are listening, Judy failed to mention, I just want to say, I wrote my own memoirs, just as I wrote my own novel. There's no ghost writers here. Oh, no. Why didn't I say not, that in the beginning? No, and that's and it's not typical. And, and But I, you weren't, believe me. Oh, because we, we had a little technical difficulty. Yeah, so. You know. But I but I want to say about, I, since since this book, the novel, come out for ads, I now have a, uh, in next month, a uh, graphic novel's coming no out. No fucking way. Say, yeah. And it's not just about me going to Washington. They wanted to explore how I became that voice at that time. They go back to the cradle, literally, because that's my first memory is everybody surrounding right. the crib and just ooing and eyeing at that attention, attention, attention. But one of the things in as we were interviewing for this, and it's a very deep dive. It's a graphic novel, people, so it's, it's with pictures. I realized at that moment, which you read about in the book, where I moved to a new school, and I was kind of a cool kid in my first school in Freeport. Come to new, and the first day of school, I pick a fight with the toughest guy in school. Oh, yeah, I love that. In front of the whole school, literally, Hammy Hamburger picks me up off the ground and throws me into a wall through the air. Right. Uh, this guy was like left back twice already, right. so he had a mustache in sixth grade. <laughs> throws me through the air, and, and, that was the, and I became just a clown at that point. But I realized doing this interview that if I had beat Hammy, I would have been yeah. the hero. I, my life, I would have been the guy invited to all the parties. Right. I would have been the popular guy. And I would not have been in my room in front of that mirror singing, 
practicing, listening to music, studying, writing, all of the fact that Hammy humiliated me and I became an outcast helped me develop my talent. Popularity does not lend yeah. itself to success unless you're Matthew McConaughey for some reason. Right. For There's some always reason. one that you're like. He's, he's, yeah, he's the odd one. Yeah. That he was a popular in everything right. and he's incredibly talented. So, but normally, I, anybody I've met who's handsome, attractive, good looking anyway, I said, why are you talented? Right. Why were you not out partying? Turns out they moved at a certain key time. Right. Uh, I remember the guy who sang sunglasses at night, Corey. Oh, Tim, yeah, what's yeah. His name? He told me a story about in third grade giving a girl a turtle. Oh, this is the best. This day. is the best. I talked about that yeah. in there. And, and, and the mother had wrapped the little little bowl with the turtle in it. And it was winter. And not knowing it was a turtle, the girl's mother put it on top of a radiator. Because it was wrapped up, they, yeah. And then Ray opened the package. It was a dead turtle hanging out of a shell. And he became Turtle Boy for his entire right. life. Corey, so handsome. He's like James Dean, right. good looking. Yeah, when I said to him, why weren't you out hanging at partying? He goes, how, how do you know? He like became all stammery. Yeah. Like I saw through him, but Turtle Boy, you know, these things happen to us and they scar us forever, but they head us in another exactly. direction. Exactly. Because those who peak oh, in oh, high school never, could never yeah. accomplish what we, well, you accomplish. It's, it's. No, no, Judy, you're, you're well accomplished in your field as well. Thank you. And you know what? And, and, and we, right. To me, people go high school, the glory days. My life began the minute I the minute walked you out left, those right? Doors. Same. The minute I left, I became a person, and I wasn't whatever that was in high school, which is talked about in Frats, by the way. So yeah, Frats is a little bit. This novel is fucking great. Every boy needs to read this, especially my sons. Um, but it is a little autobiographical. I mean, you take a little bit from your life, but I I, I say. You got to read the autobiography. It's fucking well, and the or the graphic novel because it's it's just it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Okay, so you um, three years after high school, and by the way, you know that you're talented at this point. You're starting these bands. Your father, your father was not nice to you. Um, he got you arrested. That was that, this is the kind of stuff that my dad thought was cute. Right. I mean, I mean, I even talk about the, the the torture stuff, like testing to see, uh, testing us to see if we could how how close we could get to a fl open flame oh, before we back right. off. And all the children, the boys standing there and holding a candle, and 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 we have to see how close we can get our hand. And of course, you know, the one who gets closest and gets a blister, he's the pride of dad because he could take it. Right. You know, we're not gonna take it. Yeah, he could take it. You know, and I and I I was not an idiot. Fire! I'm out of right. there. You know, so but not my, my dad was not proud of me. But he, you know, Korean War. He, you know, we had some issues. Um, but you, you oh, had to jog to band practice. You had started all these bands. You had you had to jog. To that's how you got to band practice because your father didn't want you singing in these bands. Yeah, he did everything he could to prevent me from becoming uh, a rock and roller. You know, and. Uh, and I, I, you know, I, with age and, and, and more like sort of analysis of, like you said, Korean War vet, he had some crosses to bear, Jew in, right. a, in a Christian neighborhood getting beat up because World War II was his fault. Right, of course. You know, for my father going back and beating up everybody one at a time who beat him, who jumped him. He's, you know, a tough guy. But, you know, so you say, okay, you know, he was the way he was because what happened to him. But at the same time, whatever. But yeah, he, uh, you know, he wanted me, he, he was, thought I was headed for a fall and he was going to do everything he could do to stop me and get me to take a damn civil service right. test because they got great benefits, you know, and uh, including banning me from playing with my band. So I started jogging and he said, jogging. I said, yeah, you know, it's good for your health. And I would jog every night to rehearsal and I jog home sweating and he'd go, wow, you're out there a while. I go, yeah, well, dad, you know. Want to stay in shape. And so he liked jogging, but he didn't like rock and roll. Wow. It's just, you know, your the ambition and the the drive. It, it, I mean, and your focus at that age to be that focused is just incredible. It's not normal. It's just not normal. I, you know, I've, I've said so many of my siblings and people, because I, from eight, I said, I'm going to be a rock. Right. 
That was it. Eight. And, and everything was a mission. And many of our friends said, you're so lucky. And when we're younger, you know, saying, because you know what you want to do. Right. Because most people don't I know what I always say do. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a blessing. It's, it's actually, even though it was a pipe dream to many people, right. you know, the same time, it was, you, this is what I'm doing, you know, and with my life, it was my pursuit. And other people just go quite a long time and some never. No, some, really most go, never. Most never yeah, pursue what, what they're supposed why, to do. And they yeah. sort of fall into something, you know, and they just do that. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I got a laugh performing and that was it. I had like an out of body experience. I was like, I'm never doing anything else. Like there's nothing that com ever compared. Um, okay. So three years after you graduate, uh, you join Twisted Sister, you become the main songwriter. You're writing yeah. music at this yeah. point, which is, I don't think people realize how difficult it is to write music. It's very difficult because most of it sucks. Right. And that's, Ruth, my, I mean, it's, you know, everything's a craft. Comedy's a craft. Singing's a right. craft. Writing's a craft. I've been writing, writing like screenplays and articles and short stories for decades now. So that's why we read my novel. It's very readable. It's great. Because I've been practicing my craft. I'm not just a rock star. I walked out and said, oh, I'm going to pick up a pen and start writing now. No, I, I've, been, I've been working at it. And I felt I was ready to present something to you guys. I didn't want to shame myself by presenting something unreadable. So, so it's very well, readable. Well, it's called but, pride and integrity. Yeah, okay. Uh, whatever it is, yeah. it's saying, yeah, you, you know, I you know, you, wanted it to be good. Right. But writing songs, I started writing, but they weren't very good songs. I wrote hundreds of songs, and I eventually got good at it. And so this point, um, so Twisted was together for 10 years before we broke. Right. JJ French, my uh, the manager, my guitar player is now manager of the band. He, it, we're the Tupac Shakur of of heavy metal. Anything we're defunct for years now. He releases things. We've got so much product coming out, and he's been releasing early demo tapes. Oh, that's when awesome! I, listen, I shudder. Right. I shudder. Going. Oh my God! No wonder we didn't get signed. These songs were terrible. Right. So you know, but I got better. You know, I kept writing. Just like your jokes get better, everything is better the more you but work I at it. But I think. Releasing, it's inspirational for people to hear that. I always try to encourage people. And, you know, even with this book, I've many times I've been speaking about this and just trying to encourage people to do it. Right. You know, remember that movie, What About Bob? Yeah, yeah. Bill Murray yeah, and, Richard, yeah. and Richard Dreyfuss, Baby Steps, Bob, Baby Steps. But it was, a, it was a joke, but it was true. Right. Don't look at the finish line miles away in the distance. Just keep your head down and just a page at a time, a joke at a time, a song it's at exactly a time. It's exactly right. It's there. a marathon. It's not people yeah. want like instant gratification. You have to do yes. the work. You have to do the work. Yes. And of course, you're in the heavy metal hall of fame. Okay. Um, you meet your you you marry Suzette, your wife. I mean, what rock star is married to the same woman? <laughs> Forty-seven years 47 since I met her. Seven years. It's just, it's, it's just incredible, you know, the way, you know, the optics versus the reality and the fact that these people had this, you know, disdain because of the way you looked. And yet here you are leading this exemplary life. It, it's, it's crazy. I, you know what, I, I you know, Suzette, deserves the lion's share of the credit what I, I don't know how i i mean i was just she was a hot 15 year old italian girl and if you grow up in new york it, it just you know there's a reason why in romeo and juliet juliet's mother says you're 14 you, if you don't get married soon you'll be an old right. maid they're ready to go as far as physically yeah. ready to go in, in, their, in their early teens i was 21 family threatened to kill me on the first date uh, she her family's in the mob and um but she, I didn't, I, I was drawn to this person. Turned out she was an aspiring uh, makeup artist, aspiring clothing designer, went to FIT, hairdresser. She has her hairdressing license. She did all the hair, the makeup, the costumes, but she's also a warrior. Right. I was just saying the other day, I, you know, we were together and we had a baby and then I got a record deal and I just left. I was gone nine months out of the first year of my son's life and I never even said to her, is, are you cool with right. this? I just assumed she was cool with it because she was a part of what I was doing. 
And she never cried uncle once. I mean, she just, you know, what it was like, whatever it's going to take. And, I, you know, and that's, you know, and that's really miraculous because looking back, I realized I was very, uh, you know, very self-focused, self-centered. And, you know, and look, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm a narcissist, right. no doubt about it. I'm, I'm a domesticated one, uh, you know, and I've, I've learned how to function in society. But um, the fact of the matter is I was just on this mission you talk about. But, you know, and, and anybody who got in the way was almost like collateral damage. Right. And the fact that she stood with me and toughed it out. I mean, then there was two kids. Then there was three kids. Then four. And, and, and I'm hitting the road. Right. You know, I mean, I, you know, if Suzette wasn't so strong and so uh, resourceful and, and all supportive and also whipped me into shape. Right. Smart. I mean, I would come, I would, you know, I, t I talk about this all the time. I come off the road and I was like float into the house, you know, I am a God. Right. And she'd go, empty the diaper pail. It smells like <laughs> shit. And, and I was like, what? I'm a God. Right. She goes, empty. Yeah. You're a God. It smells like shit. You know, I remember. I remember she was on. Um, we did a celebrity wife. Swap I did celebrity wife swap too. I have that on my notes. Yeah. Yes, and we, she swapped with Flavor yeah. Flav, and boy, she Flavor Flav. When he when he when we saw each other, he said, "Dude, she's crazy." I said, "Well, you should have just listened to right. her because she's like, you know, we leave our cool at the door. You come home, you're my husband. You come home, you're their father. You go out that door, yeah, you're." You're a rock star. You go out that door, you're Flavo Flav. Right. Take off the damn clock. And at one point, she didn't show this in the show. She leaped on his back and started choking him out. Wow. Because he wouldn't take the, put the phone down. But he said <laughs> afterwards, after yeah. that celebrity wife swap, that he started spending more time with his family. He loved, well, that's what Suzette's it's about. You're just like, you're, you're a father. Be a father. Right. Be a part of this family. You know, we had this, you talked about, you know, us being exemplary examples every night the family had dinner together they say that's one of like that's the so important every night sit down and have a meal together and that was like just it right you know and that's so important but anyway Suzette school flave he loves Suzette now. that's good now uh but you know yeah uh Suzette's a tough chick but it, it took a tough chick to to be with me right. and to keep me from getting too crazy right. she brought me down to earth I love that I love that Okay, I need to know, you know, you were putting on makeup before, you know, anyone was, do you were, you're a heavy metal, which is so, you know, you think of it as so masculine and yet you have this long, beautiful hair, you have makeup on, you're, you know, you're in drag before any of these people who now claim yeah, to be there was the, no Motley Crue. Yeah, there was yeah. no hand metal. There was no glam. But we, we came out of the early 70s right. fans of, of David Bowie, Alice Cooper, right. and the New York Dolls. New York Dolls, which I didn't realize at the time, New York Dolls in their famous in their album cover, they all have women's makeup on. But apparently they just did that for the album cover. And it sort of, and we, I just like, this is, yeah, that's what we got to do. We got to wear makeup. Apparently, when they were on stage, they didn't do that. But uh, they were just trying to be defiant and crazy, and, and they were. Um, so I was very experimental. Suzette kept pushing me to go farther. Wow. And it was so stupid. And I'm going to say something that's, you know, of course, like, what can I say? Or not say? Remember, first of all, I just saw somebody said, when you talk to an old guy, you're going to expect him to say something inappropriate sooner or later. Right. And the older they get, the more likely they are to say something inappropriate because we come from a different time. Right. So Suzette would always, I had a, some rudimentary you know, rouge, right. and little, little makeup on. And Suzette was like, why don't you wear lipstick? I'm not wearing lipstick. That's gay. Okay. And mind you, I'm wearing Daisy Dukes and a, and a chiffon top. <laughs> like, that's where I draw the line. So she looked, she's like, come on, just look, just a little gloss. So I'm like, all right, I'll put gloss on. So I put gloss on. And she gave me this long tray of lipstick. Started with clear gloss and ended with like blood red. So... I was wearing clear gloss, and when the clear gloss ran off, the next one was tan. I'm like, oh, no, we're tan. So by, by, within a month's time, I'm like blood red, right. and I was blood red for my career. Then she says, why don't you put on some, some nail polish? No, we're in nail polish. That's gay. <laughs> Just put some black. Black's cool. All right, black turned to blue, turned right. to purple, turned to red, turned to pink. 
And for 30 years, I wore pink nail polish. It's because Suzette. And then you say, you want, you want to have long hair? Well, we're bleaching it. And we're doing this to it. And she's the one who created that insane, you know, uh, Louis XIV hairdo. It so, it's so. It was majestic. Yeah. I mean, you could not. You, you walk in a room. No one's looking anywhere else. I mean. Yeah, it, was, it was it was it was something. Um, <laughs> no, I loved it. I loved it. But she was always for, pushing right. me to take chances, and she would start making me. I wanted to dress, you know, feminine. She would make me these clothes. The guys would say, "Aren't you embarrassed to wear that?" But it was like, well, she made it, so I'm wearing it. So whether it was a one shoulder fringe right. or a long white sleeve or a feather boa on a little shorty top. I'm out there on stage prancing around, right. getting in fights every yeah. night because people would call me gay. What do you mean I'm gay? Right. So it's weird. It was a weird thing crossing those lines and yet at the same time being very um, concerned that I was uh, – that people didn't think I was gay. Right. Uh, oddly. So, I mean, it's just a weird – it's a weird thing. But I grew and learned. And she's, as I, as I she's a genius. She is a genius. And – she was yeah, uh, yeah, and, and she continues to be. I mean, even like our logo and all these things. She was just this source of creativity, right. and you know, it, she didn't want anything to do with me. By the way, she didn't want to go out with me. I stalked her like a wild animal. Uh, you know, she. But now she realizes it was really meant to right. be. There's so many. How do you how do you get that that marriage of talents together? Someone who wants right. to dress up and do this, and you have someone else who's ready to dress people up and uh, send them out there. To find fame and fortune, yeah. you know? So, you, um, okay, so you're 30 years old. First of all, did you have any idea we're not going to take it would be an anthem for so many different causes, groups, and sort of my generation, my generation, you know? I was born in 62. It's, it's actually transcending now, you yeah. know? Um, all the, So I, I wrote it. I said, this is a hit. I knew it was a hit. Um, but I didn't think hit in the term of crossing over musical genres. I didn't think of a hit in terms of 40 years and the song is still matter. As a matter of fact, so relevant. It, it, it's almost a folk song at this point. You go anywhere in the world. I swear if I went to the deepest, darkest corners of Africa and said, we're not right. going to take it, the tribes would respond. Right. No, it's an anthem for everyone. Everybody knows yeah. it. And many, it's almost like a folk song at this point because, and everybody uses it on both sides yeah. of the aisle. It's crazy. Like at QAnon, it's their soundtrack for every new stupid YouTube video. Right. But then on the left, everybody's singing it right. too. And, I'm, and that's where I'm going, yeah, that's where it's supposed to right. be. That's not where it's supposed, supposed to be. You actually um, asked when Paul Ryan was running as vice president, you asked him to stop playing uh, your song on his campaign trail. I asked him to stop. John Rocker it was, it was a relief pitcher in, oh, the, yeah. in the 90s. This, yeah. And he was using I Want to Rock. And then he had this Sports Illustrated article came out where he was just slandering New York, slandering. It was racist talk. It was crazy. And I called him up and I said, you got to stop. Yeah. You got to stop. And the same thing happened with Trump. Yeah, I knew Trump before he was running for president. And we were on the Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah. And everything. You know, we, we did charity events together. And I got along great with them. You know, the old code of you don't talk about religion, politics, or sports. That's, you know, we, you know, you could, we spent time. It's fine. Great. Hey, calls up, says, Hey, I want, I'm, I'm running for president. Uh, you know, can I use, we're not going to take it. Raise some hell, Donald, raise some hell. And uh, all of a sudden he opens his mouth. Right. And I'm seeing, which I don't believe, by the way, he stands for. Oh, it. He's absolutely a man. not. Just, all he's doing is selling a product, finding an audit, someone to buy his product. And he found it in, Deepest, darkest recesses under rocks. First of all, and, and know, these people, he hates these people. He, they hey, wouldn't be hey. seen in Mar-a-Lago dead. And and yeah. it's the fact that first of all, I know, I know uh, a gay wedding he attended. He doesn't believe any of this shit, and yet no, he's destroying people's lives with the court appointments. I mean, it's disgusting. Whatever, I hate. Yeah, him. it's horrible. And basically, he's a, so after three months of hearing him spout his philosophies, right. I called up and said, "You got to stop." And to his credit, he said, "Okay, he stopped that night. Never used wow. it. Again. He never used it again." And um, and I remember saying at that moment, saying, "Are we cool?" And he said, Dee, we've done so much charity work together for children's cancer, yeah. wall and rink. We've yeah. done so many things. He goes, of course we're cool. But so 
I always give him credit for that, the fact that he asked if he could use a song because most people never do. They just start using it. And I gave him, and then when I asked him to stop, he stopped. Right. So that's, that's kind of the only thing positive I can say. About him, yeah. <laughs> About him. So you're 30 years old. You have one child. You're a huge success. Tipper Gore and what's her name? Who's uh, a baker. Yeah, baker. Um, st- you know, go after. They want to put a warning, a generic warning label on all the I, I'll never forget this. I, I, it was, it's, it's such a big moment of, you know, but it was worse than that, yeah. Judy. Originally, they wanted a breakdown. Original concept was not generic. It was uh, O for occult. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, v for yeah, violent. It was v for violence. Uh, they had they had a bestiality, a B for bestiality, because you know, because because uh, Blackie Lawless said "fuck like a beast." So they had all of these different breakdowns that they wanted to assign to music as a rating system. Right. It was they settled on a generic right. label. You go, I, I beg people to please Google this. You go before uh, the Senate, you walk in. I mean, the hair is just absolutely perfect. The way you just sit down, you, you sit in one chair, then you move to another chair, you move the mic. Yes, you ask a camera guy for some water, like just <laughs> the confidence. And, and the fact that you are so you know, unique and yet owning it. You owned it and you sit there and these motherfuckers, these judgmental motherfuckers come at you. First of all, your speech was, please watch, please watch D's speech, please. And their faces when you're like, I'm a Christian, I've never done a drug, I've never drank, I never smoked. And they're like- Married, I've got a kid. I'm married, I have a kid. Um, and they're like, Oh, what? You know, and they just come after you and they look like the biggest fucking idiots. But that hearing had an effect on your career. Oh yeah. Because, uh, you know, uh, cause it was antithetical to who you were on stage to your fans. Right. So they had the, the Filthy 15, yeah. which was a list of 15 songs. And it included Cindy Lauper, Bruce Springsteen, yeah. Madonna, Twisted Sister. Ridiculous. I mean, it was, the list was, it was Judas Priest. It was AC. You were in it good company. Broad. Yeah. It was and they were too. Um, and they were looking, they invited somebody, and I was the poster child for heavy metal right. with the hair and the crazy face. Uh, so I, I often get asked, who invited you? I said, I don't know. This call came into the uh, management office. And they said, D, they want you to come and testify. I was like, hell yeah. I'm ready to carry the flag into battle. That's how I saw myself and lead the masses at this important fight. And I went in there, you know, armed for bear. But one thing I did not do was dress. Well, I did dress up. Yeah. They were wearing their work clothes. I was wearing my work clothes. I showed up in a cutoff vest and a cutoff t-shirt. And you took your jacket. You took it off. Yeah. Yeah. I have, you know, sleeveless. Oh, my God. Remember Michelle Obama? (laughs) Michelle, I was sleeveless long before you were sleeveless. And um, and uh, snakeskin boots. I mean, I put, I always put on mascara in, in the morning. So yeah. I put my mascara on, you know, to give me that, you know, that, that guy liner thing going. And um, my hair was poofed out. Guy and liner. then, they, you know, yeah. and I showed up for, I showed up for, to, to speak. And I did. And you spoke so well. And they were sort of flabbergasted. Thank you so much for listening to part one of my interview with Dee Snyder. How fucking great is he? And how interesting is his life story? Come on. Part two is fucking amazing, too. Anyway, and get his book. It's really good. You know I don't lie about books. It's really, really good. So uh, I hope you loved it as much as I love talking to him. And again, just letting you know, if you are anywhere near uh, Baltimore. I'll be at the Enoch Library, free library, interviewing Leslie Jones on uh, September 21st. But then I'm in Arlington Draft House. Arlington Draft House on uh, September 22nd and 23rd. One show Friday, two shows Saturday, and it's going to be really fun. That's in Arlington, Vagina, Virginia. Hey, Judy, you're so immature. Then I'm going to Sweden. If you're in Gothenburg or the Sweden area, I will be at a book fair. 
until the first, and then I'm off to P-Town for Women's Week, for my favorite lezzies. I'm excited. And then uh, I come back and I go to Florida for the Sunshine Cathedral in Fort Lauderdale. And then October 28th in Potsdam. Is it Potsdam, Pennsylvania? It's Potsdown, Pennsylvania. I will be at Soldiers uh, with Liz Glazer opening for me. It's just a lot, a lot going on. And then I'm in uh, Atlanta, November 11th. And then I have my birthday. And then I, I just have a lot going on. And my knee replacement on the 20th. Anyway, thank you all. Oh, I forgot to say that. Uh, I, I don't know why I'm, I'm, I keep forgetting. But Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel. Edited by Colin Schmeling. Marketed. Clipped. Everything else by Brittany Joe Sowards Richmond. Okay, and um, yeah, that's it. Uh, oh, you can hear that I'm back in New York because the fucking sirens are going off. It's like fucking 24-7. And what is that siren? Like, what is that? Why do they have to have different sirens? Like, what does that mean? It's That one's just obnoxious, isn't it? Like, make a commitment. Like, do them. Like that one. It's just, you know what it is. You know what's coming. The blah, 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 blah. Here comes another one. See, that's the one. You hear that one? Like, that's a normal siren. The other one with the... Blah, 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 blah. Like, shut the fuck up. Annoying. Okay, this is what I do when I'm in New York. Here it comes. I mean, it's fucking unbelievable. I'm right off of Amsterdam Avenue, which is the thoroughfare to the hospital. So, to Mount Sinai. Here we go. Hear it? That's a normal siren. Do you not agree with me? Okay. It's just so fucking annoying, 24-7. And I'm, like, immune to it. But I did get a sound machine thing for my bedroom. So I can put meadow. Elisa likes the ocean one. I like the meadow one like we're in the woods. And it really helps. And with the sirens in the background, that also, you know, makes it even more realistic. So anyway, thank you all so much for listening. I love you. I love every one of my listeners. And I can't wait for um, for you to hear part two of my interview with Dee. It's so much fun. And as we always say, so long. Ga, 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 ga.